Hey, Money Multipliers. Welcome back to another episode of the Money Multiplier Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Kessler, and we ask ourselves, do our dollars make sense? So in today's episode, we're going to be diving into the engineering behind your infinite banking policy. What is the base premium? What are the paid up addition riders and the importance when designing your IBC policy? So we're going to talk about that today. As always, coming up here soon, I do have a virtual millennial money multiplier mastermind that myself and Jonah do we're co-hosting together and it's happening on December 2nd so head over to the website themoneymultiplier.com and underneath the resources tab there's the events schedule so go out there go check the event schedule we got that coming up online virtual I know at the time of this episode going out I, I have seen a few of you folks who are just at the Ohio Re in Mason, Ohio. So go and check us out, see where we'll be at traveling around the country, speaking live on this topic. And as always, you always got me here. You got my cell phone, my email address as well. So all right, let's get into the episode. Now, before I dive into this, what I want to really say and preface this conversation at Because, you know, when I go out and I speak live, or maybe I have met a few of you, either maybe on my podcast show or through online, Instagram, Facebook, and things, and y'all hear us talking about IBC, the infinite banking concepts, that's what IBC stands for, and you take all this information in, and then you go out to your local state farm, nationwide insurance agent, and you start asking them questions about this stuff. Hey, I just went to this really cool seminar, I learned about how you can use a whole life insurance policy to do your banking function and business through. Can you show me how to do this? And then let's make believe the agent on the other line says, oh yeah, I know all about those policies and I know all about that gentleman, Nelson Nash, that wrote that black book, Becoming Your Own Banker. And so when y'all hear about this, you go out and talk to your community and maybe you hit up your local agent And so if they know about this, here's my first question I would ask them. Well, hey, since you know about this information, number one, why in the hell have you not told me about it already? That would be my first question. Then number two, if you really know about this, I want you to show me how I can make money all day long earning at a lower interest rate than what I'm borrowing, the policy loans from the insurance company, how can I make money all day long earning four at the same time I'm paying six? They won't be able to show you that. You know why? Because I've done it before. I've talked to a lot, a lot of folks and gotten on the phone with their agents before. So that's why I show you when we travel around and teach this concept, that's the purpose of the calculator example. The first thing that we get into before we even show you what the vehicle is that we're using to build, keep, and create wealth for the family. So that would be my second question. Hey, how can I earn money earning at a lower interest rate than what I'm borrowing. Have them ask, have them answer that question. You know, then the other thing I would say is, all right, well, since you know that, 
Show me how I can get back all of the money that I'm spending on my transactions and my investments. So in the presentation, I show you how to get all the money back for the cars that you're buying in life. So if they really know about this concept, show them how to, or I should say, have them show you how to get all the money back for just the cars you're buying, driving in your life. They won't be able to do it. That's where I show you the car example in the presentation. And even if they know how to do that, here's the last and final thing. Show them how they will go in and create you your money multiplier map that maps out the debts, the expenses, the spreads on your investments that you're making in life by using the policy. Have them do that. They won't be able to do it. You know why? Because they don't get this concept. I'll be totally honest and transparent with y'all. Even the home office officials at the insurance company Companies, they don't under even understand this stuff. They don't because the home office are not teaching the folks about how powerful when you design a whole life policy and start overfunding those paid up edition riders. They don't understand the power that comes from using and leveraging the whole life policy to do it. All right. So I just want to start the conversation off with that because I'll be honest with you and kind of what came around to me filming this episode and this topic here is I actually met a gentleman I was out in Gary, Indiana doing an event for Mr. Tom Olson. And actually for my folks, you should really go out, check Tom Olson out and his uh, company, Good Success, um, into real estate, just a real estate group and uh, real estate education. But I met somebody out there and, and a few weeks later, they called me up and they said, Hannah, I just started my policy with my local state farm agent, but I don't have cash in this policy for the first few years. What am I doing wrong? And I just wanted to go, oh, Mr. Gentleman, this is why you come to me because this is 100% of what I do is the infinite banking concept. My team and my company, The Money Multiplier, we help you obtain the policy, design it properly for your needs, your goals of what's going on right now. Then even once you have the policy, how do you start using it? What is that process of your bank of how you start to use the policy. And he's like, oh crap, Hannah, I should have came to you. I just had no idea. And I'm a little embarrassed. I'll be honest. I'm a little embarrassed to admit because we lead with a lot of the education first, just delivering that information to y'all. And so sometimes at the end of the conversation, you're like, hey, this was really, really cool. Who do I go to to obtain one of these policies? And I'm over here with my arm raised up like me, 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 pick me. I'm right here, right? <laughs> so so that's what my company and my team do over here is helping y'all obtain and design this and then using it 
for your banking needs within your life. All right. So I just wanted to preface the conversation by saying that. And because we got a lot of people in our life, you know, I always make the joke, uh, you'll go to your brother-in-law that sells life insurance because we all got a brother-in-law that sells life insurance. And it's no, it's not like that regular traditional whole life policy that you can go and just buy right off the shelf from State Farm. No, it's got to be designed specifically for this high cash value banking. Now, another thing that I'll say too, maybe you don't like me. Maybe you don't like my communication styles. Maybe you're just not fond of me, but you do like this information. That's fine, all right? In my opinion, you are entitled to work with whoever you wanna work with. But if you want my feedback and advice when you're going out and um, interviewing or vetting is maybe the right word, of who to work with to help you obtain one of these policies, you should work with somebody that number one, they are practicing what they're preaching. They are using this concept within their own life. You know, me over here, I got six of these policies. My father, he's got 28 of them. And within the whole family banking system, we got 35 plus of our own policies that we use just within the Kessler family name. So this is all that we do. I eat, live, and breathe this stuff. But even if you don't like me, go out and go find somebody that practices what they preach. This is what they're also doing in their own life. That would be my first step. My second step of what I would do, have somebody who is affiliated with the Nelson Nash Institute. All right. So, you know, Mr. Nelson Nash, he is the gentleman that wrote the black book, Becoming Your Own Banker. And reminder, he didn't invent this concept, right? This concept's been around even longer than our tax codes even been here. But he is really just the gentleman that brought this concept to the public's eye. And why the Nelson Nash Institute came about is to protect the consumers and the message behind the infinite banking concept. Because there's a lot of people out there who will tell you, hey, yeah, I know this, I do this, but they're out there trying to sell you an IUL policy that does not work for the infinite banking concept. We only want to use a whole life policy. And there's a lot of politics, financial literacy that kind of goes into that as well of why folks are recommending one thing over the other. But I mean, man, I just stick to Nelson Nash's teachings. Everything that I tell y'all comes directly from Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. And actually there's even other books. I wonder if I have a few here on my shelf. No, I don't have them here on my shelf right now, but I got them down at the office over at mom and pops' house. You know, there's other resources out there. The Case for IBC, written by Nelson, Carlos Laura, Robert Murphy. There's... um Warehouse of Your Wealth, written by Nelson Nash. And there's actually one by Carlos Laura and Robert Murphy called How Privatized Banking Really Works. So I would go out there and go research some of uh, their studies and their material as well and go find another mentor that is a part of the Nelson Nash Institute. And how you can find out that they are a part of the Nelson Nash Institute, go to infinitebanking.org and on there, there's 
at the top of the page, you got your uh, tab bars and there's practitioner finder. And if you go on there, you can look up the practitioners in your state. If you're looking for someone local, um, or if you're talking to somebody, you just met them online, you can actually go in and type in their last name and it will pop up if they are a IBC practitioner with the Nelson Nash Institute. So just a few tools and resources just to maximize you and give y'all all the knowledge that you need to be successful here. So, okay, now let's get into the nitty gritties and the fun stuff now. Oh, real quick, before we get into the fun stuff too, I know I mentioned that in our presentation, that that's why we go over the calculators, the car example, and then the map example, using the policy to pay off the debts. You can go and find the full recorded presentation on our website, themoneymultiplier.com forward slash presentation and it will take you right there to view the full 90 minute presentation. So now, since you've seen the presentation and you understand the the how, the why, the what is going on by using these whole life policies, you know, how is it different? How is it different from that regular traditional whole life that you can just go buy right off the shelf? And the big major differences is number one, I would say it's the insurance company that you're working with, okay? Because there are some mutually owned companies out there that even though if you design the policy properly for this concept, they either A, have a prolonged waiting period until you can go in and take out a policy loan. Like there's actually a, a big company that I'm thinking of right now that they only allow you to start taking out the loans from the policy in year two, where no, I wanna be able to put my premium deposit into my policy and then have that cash value access in there immediately that I can take out and start using. So my definition of immediately is within 30 days. So, you know, the company is important. Also like interest rates, okay? So there are some mutually owned companies that yeah, maybe you can design the policy this way. Yes, maybe you can even have immediate cash value loans from them, but their loan interest rate is at 8%. Well, why would I go with an insurance company that has 8% policy loans when I know a few over here that I can get my policy loans out at 5%? I take five over eight any day, right? So just those little quirks is something to take into consideration as well. I mean, is it the end of the world if you're working with a company that charges 8% loan interest? No, because the infinite banking concept is so much more than just rates, 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 okay? So even that, even with just the company itself, it is important to know what are the companies that we should be practicing our banking with. So I'll tell you the five companies over here that we do business with one America, based out of Indianapolis. They also go by American United Life. There's Lafayette Life, and Lafayette Life is based out of Cincinnati, Ohio. There is Security Mutual Life of New York. There's Penn 
Mutual, P-E-N-N Mutual, and then Guardian, Guardian Life Insurance Company. So those are the five companies that we do business with. And I always say this too, I'm never married to one company because there could be reasons of why I would take you to one company versus the others. Maybe it's our strategy plan and how we're going to be using the policy. Are there dump-ins? The age of the individual, you know, older in ages. I know one company is going to play more favorably into that versus others. You know, and maybe even health concerns. Hey, I just got my 10 feet of my intestines removed. What insurance company will take me, right? So there's just different reasons of why I would take you to one versus the others. And again, a very big important factor when you're trying to find a mentor to work with when you're incorporating this concept in your life. So the company is important, but in my opinion, I think what's more important is the mentor that you're working with. All right. That mentor needs to understand this stuff. So let's talk about it. Why are these IBC policies, why and how are they different from just normal traditional whole life that I can go buy down at the local insurance store? Well, there's two moving parts, okay? When I am going in and I am designing this policy, there are two moving parts that come together and make your premium deposit into that policy. Now, I normally explain this in the terms of like a rocket ship. And I just want to get into the rocket ship example here for a second. If this is your first time hearing about the internal design of these policies. So our first moving part is you got the base premium. So base premium, I want you to picture your rocket ship. And that base premium is the base of the rocket ship. Then you have booster rockets on this rocket ship. And those booster rockets, those are your paid up addition riders. Paid up additions. That word will become more and more familiar as you travel down this road of your infinite banking journey. But paid up additions, we'll sometimes call them PUA for short. And these paid up additions, they are crucial into designing this policy for this manner because they, the booster rockets, that is what gets your rocket ship out of the sky and out of the atmosphere. Same thing here in the policy world. That is where your early years cash values are coming from. So if you notice, if you have or own just a regular traditional whole life policy, you will notice that it's a 100% base premium. There are no paid up addition riders that are added on to that policy. And so you'll notice that in the early years, there is $0 of cash for the first few years. So zero in year one, zero in year two, and very seldom cash value in year three. So it does start to build up and produce as cash value growth, 
but it takes a while to get that cash and that equity built up in that policy contract. So what we are doing over here and what makes these policies different is we are overfunding the paid up edition riders. So the majority of your premium is being plugged into those booster rockets because that's what gets the policy out of the sky and out of the atmosphere. And that's where our early year cash values are coming from. So we need them in order to start borrowing and taking out the cash from that policy immediately. And reminder, my definition of immediately is within 30 days. So let's use kind of the acronyms that you may have been hearing around the grapevine when you start going out and researching this concept. You know, maybe you've heard of 1090, 4060, 3070, type of splits, type of policies. And if you haven't, totally fine. In my opinion, I don't think it really matters if you really know all this internal stuff or not, as long as you're working with somebody who has your needs, goals, and their heart set and in, the, in, in their mindset. But when we start talking about those different acronyms, 1090, 4060, blah, 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 all it's saying and all it's doing is it's telling us the split or the ratio between the base premium and our paid up edition riders. So for instance, if you come to me and you say, Hannah, I want to do this and I want to do 10000 a year inside of my policy. Now, because reminder, you get to determine that premium deposit that you want to put into your policy. I don't tell you, the mapping team, my application team, nobody's going to tell you what your premium should be that you should plug into your policy. And if you need help in identifying what your premium should be, go back and watch a few of my older episodes because I really get into the weeds of that. But when we're talking about these different types of splits of policies, what it's saying is it's the difference between the base and the paid up additions and how it's split up. So with 10,000 a year in premium, if we're talking about a 1090 type of split policy, that means 10% of the 10,000 goes to the base that's what goes to our base. And then the 90%, 9,000 goes to our booster rockets, those paid up edition riders. Or 40-60 split, 40%, 4,000 goes to our base. And then the remaining 6,000, 60% goes to the paid up edition riders. That's all that it means. It's just a split between the base and the paid up editions. Hey, you could even design a policy, 5,000 to the base, 5,000 to our paid up edition, the booster rockets. Or hey, Maybe you design a policy, 100% base premium deposit. So you only got your shell of the rocket ship, 100% base premium, 10,000 a year is going towards that. You know, so there's pros and cons to each of these policy designs. And I'm not gonna get into the pros and cons in this episode. Reach out to me, send me an email, Hannah, spelled the same ways forwards and backwards, Hannah at themoneymultiplier.com. 
and I will send you links to my past YouTube episodes where I go into the differences of 1090, 40, 60, so on and so forth. Because there are pros and cons. You know, and the high level is, is that the more that you plug into your booster rockets, those paid up edition riders, the more cash value that you're just going to have in the early years of the policy. The more dollars that you plug into the base premium, that's what's going to keep thriving the longevity cash growth of the policy. As Nelson Nash always said, do not, do not, do not discredit that base premium because that's you setting the foundation for your policy. So many people get so tied up. I even ask this like in my live events. I say, hey, are you in this for the short term or the long term? And y'all tell me long term, but you tend to get hung up in short term thinking. Remember, this is the additional step that you are adding to your financial life. So think about it in long term, longevity steps. I get it. Sometimes people need a 1090 policy because you are just in that financial hamster wheel, the rat race of what's happening, and you just need to break the bond of that financial as I, as I say, slavery that you have no idea that you're even in. So, you know, this is why it's so important to work with a mentor that understands the pros, the cons, the ins and outs of this stuff. And this is all that they do because it is a lot. I mean, still to this day, I've been practicing this stuff for about seven years now. My family's been in this for going on 12 years now. So there's stuff just even every single day and every single year that I learn and I pick up on that I didn't know the year before. So it's very important to just keep learning and educating yourself as well. So reach out to me and I'll send you kind of the pros and cons and the differences of the different types of splits and policies like that. I mean, I'll tell you how I design my policies is exactly like how Nelson Nash does in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker. 40% goes to the base, 60% goes to our paid up edition riders. That's how I'm designing them. I even have a few policies where I designed it a 50-50 split. Half of the premium goes to the base, half of it goes to the paid up edition riders just because there's different needs and goals in there but I get it maybe you're calling me up and you're a 75 year old uh, woman and you're retired you have no income coming in besides your social security and you just want to safely warehouse some capital somewhere because you're sick and tired of taking the blood baths with the stock market or you're just tired of leaving the money down at the bank and you're losing it to inflation I get it maybe your policy is going to be designed more so like a 25-75 type of split. 25 to the base, 75% to the paid up edition riders, those booster rockets. So it's just different. You know, everybody's needs and goals are just different. And that's why it's important to understand where you're looking to go. What is the problem right now? How can we find that solution? And then where are we looking to go? And does this suffice the goals of what we're trying to accomplish? So let's talk about a few listener writing questions that I got. And I keep, I get these from time to time, but here recently, it seems like it's been a lot more frequent. So I just want to address them here on this episode. So one of the questions is, can I increase my premiums? Well, the answer is no. The short answer 
We can't just go into an existing policy and quote unquote increase our premiums. So for instance, all right, I'll use my example. When I was 18 years old, I started my first policy, $400 a month. And how I came to 400 a month is just because me being a waitress at the time, I was putting away about $100 a week into a regular savings account. So 100 bucks a week, 400 a month, that's just what I started my first policy at because the policy is nothing more than just my glorified savings vehicle. So I was trucking along, I was doing my 400 monthly into that policy, and as time went on, I changed jobs. I was no longer being a waitress at Cracker Barrel. I came on to the money multiplier team, you know, because dad called me up one day and said, Hannah, I need help in the business. If you're not going to help me, I'll go find someone else to help me. And I said, okay, well, this Cracker Barrel stuff ain't all what it's cut out to be. And I really don't want to be a career waitress coming into Cracker Barrel every single Saturday morning. So, all right, dad, what you got going on over there? Let, let me get, let me tap into that and see what you're up to. So that's what I was doing. I, my, my other job after Cracker Barrel was working with mom and dad. I was a application specialist and I was really there helping folks complete the application, getting their underwriting done and getting approved for the policy. So as that was happening, I was making more money over here. And so my income was rising and I had a need to want to filter more of my cash flow through my policy. So I can't just go into that existing policy, the 400 a month and increase it. Let's say instead of 400 a month, I wanted to do $800 a month. So no, I couldn't just go into that existing policy and increase the premiums. But what you can do is you can start additional policies. Policy number two. So all I did is I just opened up my second policy, another $400 a month. So now in total monthly cash flow, I got $800 a month that's going towards policy premium. So this kind of leads me into my next question. And actually, before I even get to the next question here that a lot of folks ask me, let's talk about it the opposite way. Hey, can I decrease my premiums? What if I started at 400 a month and there was a bad month? Maybe I was out of work and out of commission for a little bit. What are the options if I just don't have the 400 a month? Well, you can always lower the premiums. Yes, you can always pull back, reduce the premiums for some time. And then when cash flow allows, you can start paying back in up to that said premium. And really, your premiums can be reduced anywhere from 60 to 90% if need be. So easy number example, if I'm doing like a thousand bucks a month into my policy, I can always reduce that down anywhere from, from 100 to $400 a month if need be. And then when cash flow allows, I can just start paying back in up to my thousand monthly premiums again. So you can, you can always lower down, but you can't really go up and, and increase those premiums. 
Now, to take it a step further, let's talk about this. Here's a question I sometimes get. What if I have extra cash on hand that I want to put into the policy, but I don't want to start with more premium commitment quite yet? So here's what we got to understand. All right. Another vocab word I'm going to throw out to you. All right. We just talked about paid up edition riders. We talked about base premium. Let's talk about the mech limit inside of these policy contracts. All right. Mech is just an acronym. It stands for modified endowment contract. And what MEC means is, is that, and I guess I want you to picture it like this. It's an imaginary line inside of your policy contract. And what we don't want to do is we do not want to overstuff the policy and go over this imaginary mech line. Because if we do, then the government now, they're going to start looking at the policy as an investment rather than an insurance contract. And then now they're going to start taxing us on it. And we don't want that. We want to keep all of the tax-free benefits because absolutely policy grows tax-free and your death benefit will get paid out lump sum tax-free to your beneficiary. So we want to keep all of those tax-free benefits. So to go back and answer the question, you know, if you have some extra cash on hand and you're not ready to start more premium commitment quite yet, what I would tell you to do is let's go back to the insurance company and let's find out where your mech limit is at in the policy at that point in time. Because as time goes on, this imaginary moving line It's going to move. It's going to increase year after year as the policy gets more age, seasoned, and matured that you will have some wiggle room that you can throw in some extra cash. What I call them are dump-ins, just a word that I made up. So you can throw in some extra dump-ins into that already in force active policy, but we do not want to go over the mech limit. So how we find this out, if you're a part of us at the money multiplier, call up your implementation specialist. Hey, Larry. Hey, Jerome. Hey, Ethan. Hey, Alyssa. I'm just naming out names of part of my mapping team, mapping or implementation team. Okay. So if you, if you've been hearing me say both of those same words, they're the same team. I've just been changing it from the mapping team to the implementation or the I team, just because it is, it's all about the implementing. It's not just all about creating the charts and the Excel spreadsheets. It's really using and implementing this policy in the process. So call up your I-team specialist and say, hey, I got an extra five grand laying around. Can I get this money inside the policy? And then what my team is going to do is we'll go and ask the insurance company saying, hey, how much extra paid up addition riders, how much extra PUA can I contribute into my existing policy without causing mech status? So then they will come back to us with that answer. They will ask us, 
or excuse me, they will tell us how much extra we can put into the policy without violating the MEC status. And we just got to do this on a year to year basis. Cause like I mentioned, the MEC limit is a moving target. It's going to get higher and higher as the years go on. And we keep capitalizing the policy, putting more premium deposits into it. There's a whole bunch of variables and, and moving parts there. So we just ask them at that point in time, when you're ready to throw more in, hey, how much extra can we put in without violating mech status? And in a perfect world, we will have enough room. There will be some extra wiggle room that we could dump in all of that money into the existing policy. And logistically, all right, for my analyticals who are listening to me, all that money, all it does is just go into the booster rockets, the paid up edition riders. So every time you max out those paid up editions, you have access to, I tell you conservatively, 90% of that extra dumping money that you just put into the policy. So you have access to that capital literally immediately. So if you're not ready to start with more premium commitment yet and you got some cash on hand that's just sitting at the local bank not doing anything, see about maxing out those paid up edition riders and how much extra you can get into that policy over there. But there will come a point in time where you want to keep throwing in more of this cash and keep dumping in and maxing out the paid up additions that I come back to you and say, hey, there's no more wiggle room, no more extra PUAs that should go into this policy at this time that's when you know you're ready for policy number two. This is why folks have multiple policies because they totally max out their existing one and then now they're ready to start policy number two. Or what I like to say, it's like their branch office of their bank. They're opening up branch office number two now. So I encourage you to go through, you know, really look at your policies, what you have, and do not be afraid to capitalize. I think I've been saying that now, like on every single freaking episode, <laughs> but don't be afraid to capitalize your banking system and your policies, because this is just going to make the money work even harder for you. The whole why we're getting the money through the policy first is because now we're never losing out on that opportunity cost, aka the uninterrupted compounding interest that comes from the policy. So I always want you to earn that God-given right that we have to this money in the compounding that we can really earn from it. And then, hey, lastly, you know, let's say that you've already maxed out your existing policy uh, no more extra paid up additions can get added in without causing mech. And I'm not ready for more premium commitment quite yet. Go and pay back your policy loans, y'all. All right, go pay back the policy loans. It is totally okay to pay back policy loans. And if you really wanted to as well, let's say you're on a monthly premium and you wanna pay up the premium for the year. Let's say you're doing a thousand a month, but you've come into some cash and now you can pay it up for the rest of the nine more months out of the year. Well, hey, go in there, pay 9,000 towards your premium and just switch that premium 
premium mode to an annual premium mode and just go in there and pay it up for the year. So yeah, you can go into policies and change the mode of premium as frequently as you want, whenever you want. So like even let's say that you change it to annual and then next year you want to switch it back to monthly, you can do that. It's just a brief phone call to the insurance company and email into them or let my I-team help you with this process as you walk through it too. So I hope this kind of helps y'all understanding what the base premium is, the paid up edition riders and things like that. Um, please reach out to me. I mean, if you want to learn more about the pros and cons of different policy designs, um, I will send you my resources. So send me an email, hannah at themoneymultiplier.com, and I'll send you those resources there. Um, but as always, you know, keep sending me your questions. I had a lovely week of great phone calls, great questions, and uh, we got some traveling and speaking coming up. I even have some like fun things planned. I'm really, really excited. You know, I got a music festival that's coming up. Uh, my best girlfriend is getting married, so I, I'm going to be a bridesmaid in her wedding, so very excited about that. My first wedding as an adult, y'all. I'm very, very uh, pumped for this. <laughs> so hit me up. I am always around. You got my cell phone. You got my email address. Go watch the presentation. Really get your foundation laid within this concept. And as always, you know, subscribe to the podcast, the YouTube channel, give us five stars and really send me back your feedback. I want to know y'all's thoughts and what you're thinking uh, because, you know, the holidays are coming around. We got Thanksgiving coming up. We got Christmas coming up. I'll tell you how I purchase my gifts for all of my family members. I put everything on my credit card when I go out and buy the gifts for them. And then what I'll do is I'll just take a loan from my policy, go and pay off the credit card bill for that month. Hey, just another way that I use these policies in my own personal life. So thanks for tuning in. I challenge you to ask yourself, do your dollars make sense? And until next time, we'll see ya. Bye y'all.